All right. Good to see all of you, and especially those of you who are our guests this evening. Welcome. Uh, thank you for making us a part of your Sunday, and really hope that you feel at home. Um, this is the first time I'm seeing all of you, uh, you know, uh, under the leadership of the new president. You look different. All of you, you know, I didn't want to say it. Some of you were losing hair two weeks ago and stuff. You know, so good to see you. Um, you know, all jokes aside, I have so many opinions about what happened this past week, and I have even more opinions about what's about to happen. But what seems to be consistent for me in the midst of my ever-changing opinions is the clarity of assignment that God has called the church to, that God has called us as a church to advance his kingdom in the world. And so whether it's good season, bad season, you know, weird season, confusing season, every single season serves as a platform for us to show the world what God is like. And right now, this season is, is not any, any different. Regardless of who is president in our nation, our assignment never changes. What is more consistent than our government is the call of God over our lives. And I hope that each and every one of us would prioritize this assignment above our own opinions. That regardless of where you fall in the spectrum of politics, we all fall in the same room when it comes to the kingdom. And that's what's more important. And so I want to encourage you that you continue the work that God has called you to do, which is go into the world and redeem all of the world to him. And one of the ways we do that is by sharing this gospel reaching that one, spending time relating, uh, investing in, sharing the word, and walking with that one. And so I want to do an extended invitation for you to join us this coming Saturday for our Making Disciples course as we seek to reach the one. It's going to be a great time. Can I get an amen? Great. Um, I am super excited to start this series today. I'm, an, I'm normally a very excitable guy. But I'm super duper double o double o excited today because we are starting the series called The Word. I'm so excited. I'm no longer going to drink water when I preach. I'm drinking Coke. This, this is a new level. It's a new level of glory. Um, Jesus is about to take us to a sugar heaven. Um, that, that's, that's how excited I am. It's going to be good. Um, but actually, the, these cans are here as a quick illustration. I'm gonna, in a moment, I'm going to squeeze this can. In fact, let me do it right now. I'm going to squeeze it with the might of Mike Tyson. I want you to realize that as I'm squeezing this can, I'm a strong guy. I'm, as I'm squeezing this can, okay, nothing is happening. I'm squeezing this can with everything I have, but it doesn't change its form. Its form stays the same. But when I take this can, this can is an empty can. And you know what's about to happen when I squeeze this can. Are you ready? Mike Tyson in the building. Right? <laughs> you know what's going to happen. The moment I squeeze this empty can, it begins to change form. It begins to be crushed under the pressure of what's happening outside of it. I shared this example, and as basic as example seems, I share it because more, more often than not, we tend to be really objective as it pertains to the cause and effect in other people's lives. We can see it from a distance. If you do this, this will happen. But we are way more subjective as it pertains to the cause and effect in our own lives. That's why the word of God is like a mirror to us because it tells us things that we don't often tell ourselves. 
And the word of God says this about cause and effect. That if you have the word of God in your life and you do it, when storms come, you will stand. No matter how strong the storms are, you will make it through. But when you don't have the word, or when you have the word but you don't apply the word, when storms come, they crush you. They begin to change your original form because of the weight of the pressure upon your life. And I want you to see something about this example. It is not the amount of pressure, it's not the amount of storms that cause a crushing effect into your life. But it is the content of what dwells inside of you. You see, you can fill your life with great opinions. You can fill your life with great ideologies. You can fill your life with all the concepts that you read, hear, think about. You can fill your life with that. And when storms come, you will not stand. The word is very clear. Jesus has said that there is, there is a content that you need to have in order to make it. And that content is the word of God. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, So let this word of Christ dwell richly in you. Don't just dwell pure, poorly or just, you know, some word. No, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Let it overflow. Let it fill you to the brim. That's what our lives should look like. It should look like a life that is overflowing, filled to the brim, that when life tries to come at you, you remain in the form that God had created you in. And so today, we are going to start off by talking about a simple thing, reading the Word. Reading the Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. That was a custom we do in this house as we uh, read the word. I would love to ask if everybody could stand out of respect for the word as we read. All right, I'm going to read it for you. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learnt it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Father, I thank you for this, your word, this evening. I pray that as we hear your word, you would give us the grace to hear it accurately and give us the empowerment to obey all that we hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, before I get into the message, there is something we are going to be doing over the next four weeks. And that is we are going to be memorizing scripture together. And so if you have your phones, notes, please take down this text that we will be memorizing this week as an entire Every Nation Rosebank family. And I encourage you to join us as we do this 2 Timothy 3 uh, uh, verses 16 to 17. This will be our memory verse for this week. The guy who wrote this text is Paul. Paul uh, is in prison as he writes this text. 
and he's writing to Timothy, whom he affectionately calls his son in the Lord. Timothy is leading a church out in Ephesus, a, a city very much like Johannesburg in terms of its uh, dynamic. But Paul is in prison, while, uh, is in prison and he's also facing trial, and he knows that this trial is not going to go well. And so as he writes this letter, which ends up being the last letter that Paul writes, the level of importance is massive as he pens this letter down. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy to, to, to Timothy. He says, listen, Timothy, here's what I want you to know, that you are called by God. Regardless of what anyone thinks, regarding your age, you are called by God. Don't shift from this calling. And then he goes on to say, uh, to expand the context of Ephesus, he says, I know that right now in Ephesus, you guys are being persecuted. Every time the church rises up, culture comes against it, and people are dying, people are being hurt, people are being imprisoned because of this good news of Jesus Christ. Also, Timothy, among you are some imposters, people who are sharing weird doctrines. Amen, that we don't have any in this house. Praise the Lord, Greg. But he says, in all of this, as crazy as life feels around you, Timothy, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on the word. Because, Timothy, it's this word that allowed you to be wise so that you can come into salvation. Your parent, your, your mom gave you this word, and your grandmother gave you this word, and it made you wise so that you might come into salvation. And then in verse 16 and 17, he begins to expand about what the scriptures are. And so he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God might be complete and equipped in every good work. In this text, there are three reasons why I want to encourage you to read the word. And as I go through these three reasons, I also want to give you tools to help you have more effective times in your Bible reading. Here's the first one, first reason. All scripture is breathed out by God. The, the word breathed out comes from a Greek word, theonistos, which, which literally means uh, the air of God or the breath of God of God, or the root word actually talks about the perfume of God, that all scripture is, 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 is the perfume, the fragrance of God. And so he's saying, I want, all, I want you to know that all scripture is breathed out from God. Now for us, when we hear that text, we don't fully understand that this word, though it was written by man, it was written for us. So the Bible is written for you, but it wasn't written to you. It was written to a specific context, in a specific time, to a specific people, by a specific person, right? But it's written for you because the Holy Spirit then breathed his life upon the word, cha changing the word from mere words to eternal words. Now these words become eternal principles that will last forever. The, uh, the psalmist says that though the grass may wither and though the flowers may fall, his word will endure forever. And in, he goes on to talk about how God has made the word and his name above all things. That's how powerful this word that you read is. 
He's placed everything under his name and his word. Why? Because just like in Ezekiel 37, when when he breathed life into those dry bones, only the breath of God, only the fragrance of God can bring transformation. And so he's breathed life into these words. And if you would read these words, they would have the same effect on your life like they had on those dry bones. But all scripture is breathed out by God. In this point, it's important to understand that how you approach scripture will determine what you get out of scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 points out this exact point. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. But instead, uh, you accepted it as it really is, which is the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. When you receive the word and you perceive it as the word of God, it has a work that it does in your soul. You need to perceive the word right in order to receive what you need from the word. The next scripture says this. Psalm 19, I like the psalm. Now I want you to see the dance that the psalmist is doing here. He starts by saying, here's how I perceive the word. And as a result of perceiving the word like this, here's what I'm receiving from the word. Look at this dance. The law of the Lord is perfect. And because I perceive the law of the Lord to be perfect, what happens? It revives my soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. And because I am sure about the testimony of the Lord, it makes me wise. And the, 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 the precepts of the Lord are right. And because I know that his precepts are right, it rejoices my heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then he breaks out into praise in the next verse, saying, more to be desired are they than gold, even much uh, fine, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. What's he saying? He's saying, as I've engaged the word, as I've perceived it and received from it, I've come to a place where if you had to offer me gold and the word, I would choose the word. Because I've seen what I get from the word is way more than what I could get from gold. What a place to be. What is of more value to you than his word? Moreover, by them, the scriptures, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. (laughs) How you perceive the word will affect what you get out of the word. Now, I want to give you some tools before I go to the next slide, I want to let you know this. How many of you know, how many of you have ever had a moment where you tried to read the scripture and you didn't understand it and you just moved on to another book? Yes. All right. Hello, uh, sinners. Good to see all of you. <laughs> I'm joking. I've done that so many times, right? But sometimes the reason we do that is because we, we struggle to know the context of the word that we are reading. And there's a great tool out that allows you to know 
the backdrop of the text. It paints this beautiful backdrop. So as you read that particular text, though there's still more work that you need to do in the text, but it gives you a backdrop of the book, starting all the way from Genesis, each and every book of the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. It begins to unpack the context of those books. It also takes themes and unpacks those themes. And so this tool is the Bible Project. Right? They have a great website, and they also have a great YouTube channel. And the video is about five, seven, nine minutes long. And it gives you a quick grasp of here's what's going on here, so you can understand as you read the word. Now, about three years ago, my wife and I were going on, uh, uh, taking a break, going on holiday. And the weeks leading up to the holiday, just life was crazy. Felt, you know, felt like I was going from meeting to meeting, you know, Sunday to Sunday, baby to baby. That's why I stopped. You know what I mean? Just a lot was happening. <laughs> Got to holiday. First morning of the holiday, I decided, hey, you know what? Let me, let me read the word. As I went to read the word, because I, I have a, j- a journal, I realized I hadn't read the word for about three weeks. I hadn't spent any time in the word for about three weeks. Sonny May just laughed at me. When's the last time you read the word, homie? <laughs> I'm joking. Sonny Mary reads the word every day. He started reading in the womb. That's how. <laughs> I've, I'm hidden here, Lord. Anyway. <laughs> started reading the word. Um, and as I read the word, I realized that every text felt like something I had to do. That the, the, the scriptures stopped being about me relating to the king. And it became about a duty that I had to fulfill. And something had shifted in me, and I realized something is wrong. And I started praying and finding resources, and and I came across a resource that I started to declare every single time uh, before I read the text for about weeks. And it, it helped to realign my mind so that I can approach the Word as the Word is, so that my heart can be ready to receive whatever the Word wants to give me. And here's this declaration. I took it from James MacDonald. Um, and here's what it says. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I'm going where it says I will go. God's word is milk for my soul, seed for my faith, a light uh, for my path. It is power for my victory and freedom for my life. When I read God's word, it brings me joy. When I study God's word, it keeps me from shame. When I memorize God's word, it purifies my heart. When I quote God's word, it defeats my enemies. When I meditate on God's word, it brings me success. And when I abide in God's word, it gives me confidence. Father, I thank you today for your word. And I began to say that every single time before I read, I didn't care whether I was reading a verse or a chapter. I began to allow my mind to be aligned to the reality of what an audience with the king was about to look like. Align your mind. Make sure that your mind knows that this is the word that has been breathed out by God. You want to receive from him? Have a great perspective about the word. Next point about reading the word is this. All scripture is useful for life. All scripture is useful for life. Now, I might offend some of you. I want to let you know I'm sorry. I love you very much. Um, But I'm about to prove to you once and for all 
Once and for all, I'm going to do this in one slide. It's amazing. I've been trying to figure out this my entire life. I'm going to prove to you once and for all that the word is the word of God. That man, it's in fact, it's, it's the word. When I show you this text, and when you realize the prophetic dimensions in the text that I'm about to show you, you're going to be so blown away that you're going to, you're going to start praising. We're going to have a praise back. People are going to be screaming. It's going to be, watch what happens, all right? You're going to see in a moment, everything is just going to come to shape. Tell me if you recognize what just happened. Then Jacob lost his temper. Listen to what Jacob said. Listen to what Jacob said. What crime have I committed? He asked. Listen to what Jacob said. What law have I broken that gives you the right to hunt me down like the Guptas? It is there. <laughs> the very first thing, very thing, very thing, very thing, very thing. That's awesome. Where were you when we were praise breaking? This was your moment to shine. <laughs> oh, man. I've been trying to tell you for years this word is from the Lord. <laughs> I don't know. You can take it however you want. But this is the good news right there. Jesus has been trying to tell you for a long time. Anyway, before some of you lose your salvation, let's go to the, to the text. All scripture is useful for life. Now, if I had to ask you about a, having a quality of life, many of you might mention material things, but most of you would mention the four things I'm about to mention to you now. All of us, when we think about having a quality of life, here's what we mean. A quality of life is determined by the way we think. Quality of life is determined by what we do. A quality of life is determined by the decisions we make. The quality of life is also determined by the consciousness, the, the purity of our conscience. Because you can have everything and yet still feel guilty, and yet your conscience is constantly bringing you down because your conscience isn't pure. Here's what the text says here in verse 16 regarding the, the profitability or the usefulness of Scripture. It says, uh, Scripture is profitable for teaching. That is talking about changing your mind. Scripture is profitable for reproof. That is talking about helping you to, to, to elevate your behavior, what you do. Scripture is profitable for correction. That is to help you make good decisions, quality of life decisions. And Scripture is profitable uh, for training you in righteousness. That righteousness is talking about a right standing with God. And, when, and only when you are in right standing with God is your conscience undefiled. That you, you can actually live in peace before God because he has taken away the defilement from your conscience. All scripture is profitable. It is useful for your life. But here's something I've realized. Most of the time, the reason why the scripture doesn't have the usefulness that we would want it to have in our lives is this. We pick and choose what we want to read. But in order for the scripture to be useful, you need to allow yourself to be taught by the whole counsel of the scriptures. It is okay to struggle with text. It is okay 
to find yourself in a moment where you're going, I am struggling with what this text is saying, but I trust the one who wrote the text. And I'm going to choose to be in relationship with him even in this struggle. I'm not going to struggle and go, because I'm struggling, I'm resisting relationship. No, no, no. Because I'm struggling, I'm pushing further into relationship so that he may awaken in my soul his intent in the word. He can awaken in my soul his purpose for what he has written so that at the end of the day, I would align to his plan and purposes for my life. I want to kind of give you a quick example. Um, have you ever heard the phrase that the church is irrelevant in our culture? Basically, what that phrase means is culture is here and the church is over here. And the church has these, these archaic principles that don't seem to change at the speed of how culture is changing. And so the church needs to hurry up and adjust its principles so that it might eventually align to culture. And when we finally align to culture, we will be relevant. I want to I let you know that we don't plan on doing that here. Because here's what we believe. That the kingdom is above culture. And actually, it is culture that is off relevance. And culture is the one that needs to come up to the relevance of truth. And that the Bible says that there's a truth that God gives, and that truth, if you would know it, it will bring you freedom. The idol of culture today is freedom. And the word has given you how you given you the answer of how you can get the freedom. And so kingdom is here, and we are called to help the world see that there is a place where they can get this freedom that they desire. And the gap between culture coming up to kingdom is called persecution. We, we don't get persecuted because we have, we have let down on the truth. No, we, we get persecuted because we have upheld the truth of the word. That is the role of the kingdom. It is why, my friends, we cannot be silent. It is why we cannot stop loving we cannot begin to hide and think that this place is for our safety. No, it isn't. This place is for your equipment, equipping, so that you can go out and allow the world to come into a place of true relevance. The culture is not relevant because culture has not aligned to the king who formed it. Culture is not aligned to the, to the creator of the universe. So... For as long as culture is without the preeminence of his, of, of his lordship, it will always be irrelevant to his kingdom. Therefore, we live to allow culture to see this truth and, and bring it up through love, relationship, through demonstrating the kingdom in our workplaces so that they can come to the relevance of the kingdom. This is why we continue to be in the word. Because even we need to continuously be renewed in our minds so that we could align to what the kingdom says. Man, we, I, I think I preach better than what you responded, but I'll let that slide. You know, I'm, I'm going to be with you all year, but I, you know, I'm going to just plow through. Um, can go to the next slide for me. 
we must allow, this is John Stott, talking about the word, right? Us choosing not to pick and choose the word, but receive the word for all that it is. We must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our false patterns of thought and behavior. This is what we need to do as the church before we can try and go into the world to try and make the church get it. No, no, no. We need to allow this word to lovingly and consistently confront the things in our lives that need an upgrade. I'm so glad that he offers upgrades. He really does. So, if we want to engage this word, we need to find time to get into the word. But I know we, one of the common reasons why people don't spend time in the word is that we are busy. There's a whole lot of things happening. And so I want to free you today. Here's a freedom right here. Use whatever time you have, but take your time while using it. You got five minutes in the morning? Great. Take your time while using it. You got an hour? I'm glad. You must, you must not have kids. Take your time while using it. <laughs> or a wife. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> or a husband. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, use whatever time you have, but take your time while using it. Way back in the day, um, when, when I started following Jesus, one of the things I, I tried to do earlier on was read every day and study every week. And it meant I would read every day five, ten minutes, but I'll try and spend at least 30 minutes every week when I'm just studying a theme. And by the way, if you want to change a pattern in your life, one of the ways you can do that is study the thing you want to change into and memorize, meditate upon that text. That's where the study is. You take this theme. Uh, I lived down here about 10 years ago. My wife and I got married, and I struggled with anger. And so I began to memorize scripture that had to do with peace. And every time I told myself, I'm going to be the most peaceful person I know. And I began to just let that word come into my life. Now look at me, man. I'm so chill. I don't even know what's going on. I'm, I'm just walking around. Hey. Oh, you angry? I'm not angry. <laughs> After I've still got some problems. I don't know. But let the word brush upon you. And so how do you actually slow down? Here's how you slow down. You interact with the text. You don't just read past it for those five minutes, ten minutes. You actually interact with the text by reading the scripture. Read it over and over again. If you have time, read it in different versions. Also, write down what you are observing in the text. Take time to write down, this is how I'm going to apply this text in my life. And also pray the scripture. Don't just read it, but pray it before the Lord. Bring it before his presence and say, Lord, here's what you say in your word. I thank you and I believe that this is going to come to pass even in my life. According to your word, let it be in my life, Lord. Last point is this. All scripture equips for purpose. The word says that uh, the scriptures make the man of God complete and equipped for every good work. There's a difference between work and good work. Here's the difference. Work is about attaining a salary. Good work is about the kingdom. Work is about going to do what I think I need to do to become who I need to be. 
Good work is about I'm going to demonstrate the kingdom so that the king might be king over all things in my culture. And so the approach to work versus good work is different. And, and good work brings great warfare. And by the way, good work is parenting. It's friending. It's, it's wifing and husbanding. It's good work. And man, does it bring great warfare to your life. When you try to do the kingdom way in all the things that you do. And so that's why you need the word to come and complete you. You need the word to come and equip you to do what it is that you've been called to do. All of us have been given an assignment that we cannot fulfill without the word being made manifest in us. We need God to do what he's called us to do. If you don't need God to do what, you've called, what, what, what he's called you to do, you need to go pray and ask for a new assignment. Pray and ask him. So, here's a text that helps us to, 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 to understand as well the key of unlocking this equipping and this completion. Here, here's a simple truth. You need to mix the word with faith. If you're going to have this word activated in your life so that you are equipped to do the kingdom work that God has called you to, you need to mix the word with faith. Hebrews 4 verse 2. We received the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises did not do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. Matthew 9 verse 29. According to your faith, be it done to you. You need to mix the word with faith. Probably the best quote I've ever heard that explains what faith is, is this one by Buddy Owens. He says this, faith is choosing to believe that something is true because someone is truthful. Here's why I have faith. I don't have faith because there's magic in this book. I have faith because the king of kings is true. He is powerful. He has all the capability to bring this word into being. And so when I have faith, I'm not having faith towards the word. I'm having faith towards the Christ. And as I declare his word, I know that he will do what he has said he will do in his word. The Bible says that there is no word that goes out of the Father and comes back to him void. The word that he releases, it goes into the earth and it produces what the word was intended to produce. And so when you align your faith with the word, what you're saying is this word must come and produce what the king has sent it to produce. Mix the word with faith. I want to close with this story and we'll call it a night. Um, In the States, years ago, there was a man who uh, was in the revolution. And because he was in the revolution, he, he wrote a book. And this book... Uh, it was a manifesto. I don't want to say his name or his book because I don't want you to get it. He wrote about how you can create arms, how you can create bombs, how you can fight back against the revolution. 
A few people got it, and so they started creating these bombs and trying to fight back against the revolution and doing all these kind of things. And later on, he got criticized for having created this book, and the book went out of print. But people who had the book then posted it on the internet when the internet began to blow up, and it was now accessible to whoever wanted. Right now in America, uh, there, are, there have been 18 school shootings. Out of those 18 school shootings, about 8 to 10 of those school shootings, the people who did the shooting were found with this guy's book. 8 to 10 of them were found with this guy's book. The power of words. The power of words. As you sit here this evening, all of you, there is a word that hangs above your life. Maybe an uncle said it. Maybe a teacher said it. Maybe your mom said it or a friend said it. Might have been good, might have been bad, might have been a boss, might have been a colleague. There's a word that hangs over you. And every day, even though you don't know it, you try to live up to that word. And you judge all your life based on the word. This word that hovers above you. For some of you, the word has brought shame. For some of you, the word has brought a sense of imprisonment and entanglement. Because without even realizing, you're trying to live up to the standard of this word that was said over you. I pray that you would substitute whatever word hangs over you with the word of God. It is the only word <laughs> that brings freedom. Substitute it. Whatever anyone has said, whatever you have said about yourself when you've looked in the mirror, choose to say this word over your life. That fact that you can't do this, that thing that you've constantly been telling yourself, I will never be able to, I'll never become the substitute those words with the word of God. This word is the same word that took a kid who was random, townships, rural areas where they had nowhere to go, and this word told them, you're going to go to the nations. Took a kid who absolutely annihilated his sexual purity, and it told them, you're going to live pure. Took a kid whose family was broken, parents were divorced, and told them, your marriage is going to work. Took a kid who was afraid and angry and told them, listen, you're going to be a great dad. It took a kid who his teacher told him when he was in primary school that he was not a great speaker, not a great orator, and this word said, you will preach my word. It's this word. It's this word. When the kid had nothing, no money, no food, no ability to go where he wanted to go, and the word said, I will make a way for you. You don't have to depend upon men. Depend upon me. I will make a way where there is no way. It is this word. And if this word can do it for that kid, I'm telling you this word can do it for you. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, all is a privilege to come before you as a family and hear your words. I pray this evening, Lord, as we head out in our own way, that you would speak to us again, inspire us to be a people of your word. Thank you that this word is breathed out from your lips. Thank you that this word is useful for all of life. Thank you, Lord, that this word equips us to do the kingdom work that you have called us to do. Thank you, Lord.